Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Pretty good. A game where I believe the Raptors bench was outscored 39 to 10. A game where Pascal Siakam, the mid-range that he's been dominating other teams with leading up to this, uh, seemingly left him. And he was a little bit too passive for my taste and probably for most people's taste as far as driving lanes. Ended up shooting 3 of 18. And the game where the Raptors came together, probably I would say led by, well, it's tough to say led by, but certainly aided by. In a massive way, Scotty Barnes' best game as an NBA player. You can you can highlight the higher scoring games that he's had. The 25 and 13 he had against Boston really popped off. I think that was the second game of the year. But this game was by far his best defensive performance. And he finished with 12 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And made very few mistakes on the defensive end and changed endless amounts of the New York Knicks possessions offensively. It was a phenomenal performance. It was something that I kind of, I've been waiting for, honestly. There's been quarters where he's put together better defensive performances, where he's been a little bit less haphazard on that end. And he's constantly trying to find the right mix of being conservative and letting his length do the work for him and using that length in a super aggressive way to make the types of plays that, you know, very few players can. And tonight there was an efficiency of movement mixed with, you know, a fantastic level of aggression that allowed him to change, as I said earlier, a lot of plays defensively. He was he was right up there with Fred, probably better than Fred in this game. Some of the, you know, he had two blocks when he was getting his arm out to contest some of these shots and eventually get a hand on some of them. These are plays that by all rights, he should be out of. These are plays that he should no longer be affecting. And the 15 boards in this one, I think he had four offensive boards in a game where you win by scoring 90 points. The offensive boards help a lot. Those extra possessions are super meaningful. The fact that he was able to just help punch up in that way where he was, did he have it offensively in, you know, italics, whatever it means? Uh, Maybe not. Like a couple possessions, empty side against like Derrick Rose or RJ Barrett, who he has a size advantage against. He gets to about like eight feet and hits a pop shot, and it's super aggressive. Pascal Siakam in the fourth quarter, short rolling. Fred Van Vliet hits him. 
he finds this little dump off pass to, you know, Scotty who's making a 45 cut and he gets a dunk out of it. Like that's awesome. But this wasn't a dominant offensive performance. This wasn't flashy in that way. This was a gritty, really intelligent, like just the, yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words. Go, go gadget arms navigated with a plum, just really great feet the whole night and used his weight used his size, disrupted actions, made the Knicks go to secondary stuff, made them go to tertiary stuff, and then got the stop after that. And got stops on the initial stuff too, the primary actions. I mean, Scotty Barnes with 12-15, 3-2-2 was just lights out. That, that's the biggest takeaway I want to make sure that everybody knows from this game is he was phenomenal. And you close out 11 defensive possessions, that's valuable no matter what. Now, rebounding, Sometimes it's not as valuable in certain contexts as other things, but in a game where the Raptors are desperately trying to keep the Knicks, who have like Julius Randle, who's a big boy. He had three offensive boards. R.J. Barrett came in for three offensive boards. Rose, Toppin, Mitchell Robinson each had two offensive boards apiece. Fournier had one. Noel had one. They're trying to keep them off the glass desperately, and Barnes going up the sky and grab 11 in this game. Super, super meaningful. Same, same with Pascal. Those two... Together on the defensive end, they were so strong and getting 11 boards apiece. And not not total, but defensive boards. So 22 closed out defensive possessions. So important. And both those guys, I mean, I just want to highlight Scotty first and foremost because he's so young. And this game, there's this foggy idea, right? Like in, in your mind's eye, you see Scotty Barnes when he's drafted. You see what he does at Florida State. And you say, okay, how will this translate to the NBA? And who will this guy be on the defensive end? And then suddenly, all the things that all the scouts were seeing offensively translate a million times better than most, basically anybody expected. And he's fundamentally a different player. And he's doing such a good job of attacking advantage offensively and kind of seeking it out for himself that he's been able to just smash his way into offensive production. Defensively, He's been an astronaut for a long, you know, points in time in the season. And this game, there was no floating without purpose. The floating was deeply purposeful. And it was to, you know, uh, complicate passing lanes for the defense. And it was cheating the perfect angle so that he could get back, so that he made the, you know, passes that might have otherwise been made. Him being in the vicinity, he sent it to, like, one pass away the other side. The, The action was much simpler for the Raptors to defend because of the looming presence of Scotty Barnes and just defensively, hell yeah, dude. The, the defensive rebounding, the defensive motion, and the punch on the his two steals and his two blocks. Awesome game. And, and a couple really great passes. I mean, when he was under the basket, and basically, you know, there there are special passers in the NBA, and this wasn't a pass that was exclusive to that level of passer. But this was a high-level pass. It was, he's stuck on the baseline. He doesn't have his dribble. And guess what? That ball usually goes out to the corner because that is the pass that people see. Anyway, he attracts the defender to take a step down, and then he pops it out to Fred above the break, and Fred hits a three. It's just a bunch of great stuff from Scotty tonight. He deserves a ton of love for what he's done. So, hell yeah, Scotty. Huge part of the Raptors winning this one. And why not lead with Scotty's defense and defense just flat out because that's how the Raptors won this game. I mean, they they stepped out on like what? They were up 31-14 after the first quarter 
the offense didn't hold up at all. The Knicks, you know, they're a good defensive team. Thibodeau, he makes them defend. They're very aggressive. They have a lot of big guys who are willing to defend, who have great athletic bodies that they they can throw a lot at you. And that's obviously what Pascal was feeling, that Pascal kept pulling up when he, he definitely shouldn't have as often as he was. But the Raptors scoring 31 in the first quarter, that was a product of their defense, getting a lot of stops and making sure that they had to operate in the half court as little as possible. And a nice run of pick-and-roll basketball. I mean, Fred running the pick-and-roll, Pascal running the pick-and-roll. They had a stretch where 8 out of 10 points offensively came in the pick-and-roll. And guess what? The Raptors are not a high-usage pick-and-roll team. So if they can insert a play like that and start to get that type of production and they're holding it down you know, defensively, that's how they pop out to a 31-14 run to start the game off. Now, they lost the remaining three quarters, 28-19, 23-19, and 22-21. That's because the Knicks did a really great job of defending the Raptors. And the Raptors, in particular, I would say the Raptors bench really failed them as far as playmaking and shot making. Defense was fine. But when you have the Knicks who have guys like, uh, they can come off the bench and they can score. Like, Obi Toppin at 19 and 10 in this game. That is more than any one person on the Raptors even came close to approximating in offensive punch in any type of punch right and so the Raptors anytime they're walking those guys out there they're taking a massive massive hit and the the starting lineup really had to carry in this one and that's not even to say that the Raptors offense was with the starters incredibly effective or anything like that it was as I said a grind for them too Pascal three of 18 Fred four of 13 and Fred like only took two shots that weren't threes and so when, we, when we're talking about Pascal and that 3 of 18 really does look ugly, and I understand why, after all the games that he's been having, OKC, Wizards, prior to that, right, where he's really making a killing in the mid-range, he's like, I can beat this Knicks defense. They're going to pull off the corners. The ancillary players aren't hitting their threes. Basically, only Gary Trent Jr. and Fred are hitting threes. And to his credit, Pascal was finding both with passes, above the break to the corner, whatever. and But when Pascal was passing to guys like Yuta Watanabe or Svi or, you know, Flynn or Boucher, whoever, right, it just wasn't ending up in a good spot. The, the offense was often resetting, etc. And so Pascal thought, I can beat this defense. I can shoot over them. And the 3 of 18 just wasn't happening. And for the first three quarters, I thought, well, I, I would say the second and third quarters provided a good insight into bad decision-making for Pascal Siakam after a couple games of absolutely almost flawless uh, decision-making from him. When we're looking at this game and we see a guy who there may be a driving lane that he can hunt out and he started to settle, this is where, you know, when you're juggling a bunch of emerging skills, and this is a question I asked Pascal about, is like, how do you measure and how do you how do you mix this stuff properly? And you know, maybe I didn't convey it properly because I didn't get a very good answer back, but he, he just talked about putting work in the gym and all that kind of stuff, which, I mean, technically that's probably true, but he's a guy who he came into the NBA as a guy who's driving a lot, getting to the rim um, with reckless abandon, finishing there all the time, and now he's the focal point of defensive game plans, and they're doing everything they can to make sure that he's not getting to the rim. And so if guys aren't hitting shots... The defense can keep loading up, and he went to that mid-range shot. But 
today I I would have liked him to hunt out different opportunities a little bit. Like in the fourth quarter, he was really good as a playmaker and drawing attention because he wasn't just settling for that mid range. He was taking a couple extra dribbles to probe, even though he didn't, he probably wasn't expecting to get all the way to the bucket and attempt a shot. He was just putting the ball on the floor a little bit more often, a little bit longer to stretch out the possession and see how the defense of the Knicks would react. And then open shots for his teammates came out of it. Gary Trent Jr., the big three he hit towards the end of the game also, was Pascal tapped out an offensive rebound. That's super meaningful, as I talked about, for the same reason that Scotty Barnes having four orbs was really meaningful. 90 points, really not a lot. Possessions are super meaningful, you know, possession differential in those types of games. So, yeah, Pascal, an up-and-down game, I would say. But defensively, he was excellent. Everything that applied to Scotty Barnes applies to Pascal. I mean, Pascal, he didn't have the steals, but... And that's typically not his role. Pascal, I think, is the most conservative of everybody on the court at all times. And there's a, a really big reason for that is that Pascal is asked to cover just an incredible amount of space defensively that he doesn't want to make anybody else replicate what he's doing. The X outs where, and they were really, really fantastic in this game, like for long stretches of time, where these guys are really helped helping take advantage of their momentum as defenders to get out to uh, guys who are looking to shoot and make sure that they can close out in time. And then the other guy uses his momentum heading the other way to recover to the guy that the other defender just left. Like that's the whole point of an X out. And Pascal is oftentimes like the last line of defense or the front line of defense. And very rarely is he in between. He doesn't need to gamble for like steals or anything like that because Nobody can recover like he does, and he's going to off, he's going to tilt and offset the defense to the point where they're just going to break repeatedly. So his ability to meld like aggressiveness in how he covers the court and conservativeness in how he won't give anybody a driving lane by gambling for a steal, that's really important, and that was very, very important tonight. Like Pascal, his court coverage was extremely sharp, and he wasn't gambling for steals. He wasn't trying to do that because Gary had three steals. Fred had three steals. Scotty had two steals. Like, these guys are gambling. Pascal has to be at home, and he has to be able to stunt, and he has to be able to play the middle between two guys. He has to be able to play the weak side zone and all that, all that kind of stuff. And tonight, I think he really hit the mark. Although, as I said, the 3 of 18 from the field, he went a little bit too long trying to find the mid-range. And I understand after his games where he was really on fire from there why he went after it, but I think he should have denied himself that a little bit earlier. And his performance in the fourth quarter, I think, was a reward of that ideal of kind of changing and altering his own game plan and you know, looking to change up how the Knicks guard him and helping, his, uh, helping elevate his teammates by doing so. Gosh, what a mouthful. And okay, so the guards, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. Fred, man, didn't shoot it well in this game. And, you know, Blake did an awesome video, Blake Murphy, that is, uh, talking about Fred's finishing and how it's been much better this year and how it's about, like, leveraging all these different things. This is something I also talked about. I, I did a YouTube video, I guess, like, a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, maybe, where I talked about how he's leveraging his shot into 
you know, more driving lanes for himself where he can finish at the bucket or he can actually pass guys into layups, which has never been a strength of his until this year where he's actually doing it at a much higher rate. And we look at a guy like Fred, a game like this where he himself doesn't get to the basket, but his 11 assists, he was able to pass a bunch of players into baskets. That is the big step because every player is going to have up and down shooting games. You can't just dominate every game, but they can't take everything you do away. And since Fred, he's added this to his game, they took away his ability to get to the rim. He didn't make a single shot at the bucket. However, comma, he passed guys to the rim. And that is, that is just, that's so important. That's so helpful for the Raptors. And yeah, Fred was, he was dynamite defensively as well. Gary Trent Jr., 24 points, three steals, nine of 16 shooting, five of seven from downtown. That part for me is the biggest and will always be the biggest. Fun little statistical tidbit coming into this game uh, per NBA, NBA.com backslash stats. Um, Gary, I think, is 96th percentile in isolation scoring. Now, he doesn't have the volume that a lot of the other players do, but he's scoring 1.27 points per possession on isolation possessions. That is really, really high. I don't think he'll sustain that all year. Certainly not. But he saved a couple possessions in this game. More importantly, though, he spaced out and he hit his threes. Some games he'll save some possessions late in the clock. Some games he'll miss those same shots. The thing he has to be, at bare minimum, is a shooter. I I could care less about like the little, you know, Jason Tatum push-offs, you know, step back to his left, mid-range jumpers that he hits. I I really could care less about those. That's not that is not what anybody wants to have as like the foundation of their game. Gary Trent Jr., the foundation of his game is his three-point shot. And he's only able to get downhill because teams respect that. And in a game like this where his foundation, five of seven from downtown, was a huge boon for the Raptors who were really strapped for points, 90 points in this game, that's awesome. That's what Gary Trent can do sometimes. It's just absolutely clinical from downtown as an off-ball shooter. And in this game, that's the most important thing he did. And on top of that, you get the bonus of a little bit of shot creation. And he got all the way to the front of the rim in uh, in transition as well, finished at the bucket. That was really nice to see. And then the three steals. Um, he's been hitting a little bit less on those on those gamble plays, and this is something that's been trending that way for a little while. He's still hitting quite often, I should say. But you know, there's there's a few plays tonight where he's left kind of at the half at half court, and the Knicks are you know initiating a play, and he's just completely out of it. Like they're running a screen action, and they know they're going to have maybe a two man advantage. It's because he chased a steal. But, you know, when you get three of them in one game, that's, you know, he gets a lot of steals, and that's that's his calculus for, you know, uh, defensive value. And, and certainly he's, he's provided a little bit more uh, punch at the point of attack and trailing defenders and all that kind of stuff, even if he still does. Uh, he struggles a little bit with screen navigation. And then Chris Boucher, 28 minutes, 14 and 8. He went one of three from downtown, like, I I really like his minutes over the past however many games. When when I talked to him the other day, well, when we talked to as media talked to him the other day and he highlighted meditation as something he started to do since saying that, he's put together at this point like 60 minutes of good basketball. Strung it linked it all together, 
60 minutes of positive basketball. And is that enough to say he's turned the corner? Probably not yet, but it looks like he's starting to at the very least. Three-point shot still has to come around, but he moved really well off ball. He he shows, particularly to Fred, he shows as an option in passing lanes, especially when Fred wants to get somebody going downhill. Boucher did a really good job of that. And so, yeah, big fan of that. Boucher continues to impress, honestly. He's getting back to a point where he's a positive. And uh, like last year, this was a dude who was just absolutely nuts. His offensive output was unbelievable. And it's really nice to see him do that again. So, well, it's not unbelievable. It's just positive. And then, like, Utah, Svi, you know, four points and five points respectively. You know, six rebounds betwixt the two of them. They, I think they linked up for, like, three of 13 shooting. Two of nine from downtown. Svi had that, that highlight low side rotation against Mitchell Robinson where he blocked him at the front of the rim. And this is something I've talked about all the time, right? It's like, Svi is the best athlete amongst the Raptors guards. Gary, Fred, Flynn, they're not better athletes than Svi. Dragic, David Johnson, probably not better athletes than Svi. Svi is really on balance, explosive, and just very functional. And that's why he could, and he's strong. And that's why he could pop up and just block Mitchell Robinson at the front of the rim. So good for him. It's always nice to see a three go down, but I think Svi is sitting around like 33, 34%. You really want that coming up to like 36, 37%. That's, it would really do a lot for his game because the, the on-ball stuff that he was kind of, he looked pretty promising in preseason, that hasn't really been a part of the game. And so he hunts those three-point shots and he'll continue to. Yeah, a quiet game for Utah. He made a couple bad offensive decisions. That's why he's shooting bad from the floor. Like he made simplify simple answers offensively into complex ones. I think is like he had an open shot and he absolutely should have taken it, but he puts the ball on the ground and opened up, opens up the possibilities. Sure. But it's also a set defense that he's attacking and Yuta Watanabe against a set defense. I wouldn't say is an advantage at the NBA level, at least not against a good defense. And so that's like the whole point, right? Is, uh, just take the open shot because Utah, you're probably against a set defense, not going to create a better shot than the open one that you had in your hands. And so just a little bit more uh, play to your strengths. You shot 40% from three last year. You can stroke it. Lean into that a little bit. That's at least that's what I think. But regardless, yeah, he, he made a couple good plays um, the last game, putting the ball on the floor. So I, I understand the why he would want to do that. But he was attacking that from advantage. Like, he absolutely knew he was going to get a blow-by. And he, like, in this case, the guy who closed out on him was at his hip. And the help side defense came over to um, contest him at the rim. And so that's like, eh, what advantage is there that you're taking advantage of, right? So something like that. But, yeah, the game came down to the wire. It was super fun. Uh, Julius Randle rimmed out from three. Um, Pascal made a really bad decision when he got a switch onto Derrick Rose. He took like a, I would say like a 19, between 19 to 21 footer. He should, he, like he got back rim. It, it was online. He just, it was a little bit too much on it, but like he could have got a better shot. Go downhill against Derrick Rose. Uh, it, it may be right. Like he's scared that he'll get 
they'll converge on him and he'll try and pass out and then maybe somebody jumps a lane and they're headed the other way in transition to tie the game or take the lead or something like that. I I get it, but uh, yeah, you just head downhill. You're a talented player against Derrick Rose, mouse in the house. If you draw the defense, make the pass. You know you can make the pass. Don't worry about the turnovers. Just make make a good play. He's made plenty of them over you know a large span of games. So I would have liked to see that from him. I was really disappointed with the shot he took down the stretch because Clyde Frazier was on the mic and he's calling the game. And he's saying, this is the guy they're going to ride or die with. And he's 3 of 17 from the four at the time. And they gave him the ball. That's pretty trusting. And big shout out to Fred for just handing it off to him. But it's in that in that case, you know, he just shouldn't have taken that shot. He very clearly should have pursued a better option. And he definitely could have. He he settled. And he settled against Derrick Rose. That's that's bad basketball. Luckily, he was just sterling defensively. And for most of the fourth quarter, I think was a, a positive offensively too. Just an additive to a lot of the actions the Raptors are trying to run. But Anyway, yeah, Julius Randle comes down the other side of the floor, rims out from three. They play the free throw game, and they get out there. 90 to 87. Pretty miraculous stuff. Uh, since they played Mitchell Robinson, the, he wins the Mitchell Robinson Award, obviously. The Mitchell Robinson Award is uh, reserved for him, by him, and uh, that's who wins it. Reggie Evans Award, it has to go. Uh, like, oh, my God, it just it has to go to Scotty Barnes. It unbelievable amount of energy expended in this game. Hell yeah. And I talked about him for like eight minutes of this 25 minute runtime already. So yeah, you get the vibes, you know, you know, it's, it's Scotty top quick reaction comment is from my win quote. Siakam and Fred need to learn from Scotty how not to play hero ball end quote. Yeah, dude, this is silly. Um, Pascal and Fred both won an NBA championship playing absolutely not hero ball and even to that point like fred and pascal are maybe the worst case for this because they played extremely selfless basketball next to kyle and Kawhi and marcus all all three of which will enter the hall of fame and fred was famous in the biggest series that he's ever played in for a incredible defense and role player stuff and saving late clock possessions as a shooter. And then you go to Pascal, who is an incredible defender, passes really well at his position. Like, there is no metric that would regard him as a selfish player. And he's also a guy who, if you want to talk about hero ball, hit the game-winning shot of the only championship the Raptors have ever had. This type of, like sweeping decoration that like Siakam and Fred could learn from Scotty after this game is silly dude like be like, why not just praise Scotty be like Scotty was awesome why would Siakam and Fred need to learn from Scotty Siakam and Fred have already succeeded at things that Scotty is looking forward to do in his career this makes no sense and you guys eat this up what why do you guys compare like this it's so this is regressive. I mean, like, and both of them, like, uh, anyway, it's silly to me. I, I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. Like, what what could they learn from Scotty? I don't know. Uh, they certainly enjoy playing with Scotty. Scotty was just, you know, yamming it up the other day, talking about how Pascal was his favorite player, and they all play well together. And 
I don't think there is any like, oh yeah, review yourself. Why did you do this type of thing? Like that that seems silly. People miss shots. Yeah, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. I I, I agree with Scotty. Like playing a really fun brand of basketball. Like, and there's like definitely a, a selfless aspect to his game. I totally get that. But just because Fred and Pascal play a little bit differently does not mean they sit on like the Dion Waiter side of the spectrum or something like that. These are these are selfless players, all three, uh, through and through. So yeah. I I agree with Scotty being raised up as like that's that's great. I completely disagree with framing in a way like Siakam and Fred have things to learn. I think that's silly. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed it, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.